Joe Gangwish back with you for another installment of the Fontenelle Family Podcast. A chance to get caught up with what's going on in our brand and with our industry partners. I've been wanting to do a podcast with this gentleman for quite some time. Mark Ryman is our guest. Mark is the new Learning Center Manager at Bears Gothenburg Research Facility. So let's get caught up with how things are going at GLC. First of all, congratulations. I want to get that out on your new position here. Thank you, Joe. No, it is great and do really enjoy, have enjoyed working at this facility and now being the manager of the facility. I've been here uh, really 14 years uh, trying to put as impactful or interesting a research work and demonstration work as we can for producers together. Has it been that long? Has it been 14 years? It has. I think I, my wife and I, so we were in Kansas um, working on drought guard hybrids or the predecessor for that. And we got the opportunity to move up here in the fall of 2008. So yeah, like yeah, it's getting over 14 years, close to 15. So definitely moving really quickly. It seems like we had a young son we moved up here and now we've got one that's going to be 15 here in a few weeks <laughs> well we're very excited to, to visit with you about uh, you know a little bit about your history how you came to be in charge here and and some history uh, about this place and and what it does as a resource for growers around here so so first of all mark which what's your background the first we know you're a nebraska guy so yeah, that's so good I'm a, I'm a native nebraskan but i did uh go to south dakota state university <laughs> college we so won't hold that I'm against you. zach rabbit but um they had an excellent agronomy program up there so i went there got my undergraduate in four years and then completed my master's degree up up there as well and i was you know, once I completed my master's degree, starting to look for, for jobs, uh, I knew someone that worked for Monsanto and, you know, they visited with me. And at that time, my wife had a job in Manhattan, Kansas, so she was moving down there. And I found something in Kansas and from there started working um, with our with our drought guard hybrids and products in Kansas and Nebraska. And originally my background, why well, I really, you know, came into agronomy as I grew up in a farm in northern Nebraska, around the small town of Butte. If anyone knows where that is, it's a little bit northwest of O'Neill, but grew up with, you know, a lot of cattle, a lot of corn, soybeans. And the interesting thing is it, it was all dry land. So it was a, a situation where, you know, I didn't really deal a lot with irrigation growing up. We probably wish we had irrigation a lot of years, but uh, just really get that background. And then the research work I get to do here you know, a lot of it is on irrigation, but there's some that's on dry land and you really get to see, you know, with some of the work or the learnings, maybe the benefit even of my family. So that background really drives, I think, how interested I am in it, how much I want to learn uh, about our agronomic or corn, soybean, those systems in the state. That's great. We're certainly glad to have you here because you've you've been a part of this place uh, since since I can remember since I first started coming here so it's been yeah but before I got the job I actually came to the groundbreaking for the facility in 2000 I think it was in August of 2008 or something like that I'd met the manager at the time uh, Chandler Mazur and was looking at moving up here it was kind of a decision I had to make and came up here met the people in Gothenburg and got to see at least what the vision for the facility was. And it was definitely it's like, yeah, this is somewhere um, 
we really want to be. It's a great place to live, a great place to work, and it's going to be a really unique uh, facility for the company and a unique opportunity to work you know, and do something new that's never been done before. Well, that's a good precursor to what we're going to talk about later. So, so good segue, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about your background here. So when you first started, like you said, when, when you and your family moved here, tell me about your role, you know, before becoming the, the, the head of this place. So I, I came in as the learning center agronomist uh, at the time. I think there were two other learning centers in the U S there was one in Monmouth, Illinois, and one in Scott, Mississippi, and we were the third learning center. And I came in as uh, the agronomist, and our focus was going to be on um, water and irrigation. I would say at that time, uh, we were looking at investing in drought guard hybrids. We had a new product launch coming out around that, you know, really focused on helping our water limited environments which we have in the west and wanting to learn more about that so that's why it's called the water utilization learning center it's also why you know when you think about the history of the facility it is placed as far west as it is i think that probably the initial thoughts were well we can put it around bigger population centers like grand island or york but really if you want to get a lot of water stress the things we wanted to learn about uh you, you had to move west so that's really kind of that history piece. And I started as the agronomist then and actually was the learning center agronomist from, you know, really the first time we dropped seed in the ground here in 2009, um, all the way through really the latter part of 2022. So pretty long history as the agronomist. And when we started, it's hard to imagine now almost, we've got a, a map on the wall where you see you know, over a hundred field trials and things like that that we have going out there. But, you know, we moved in here, it was just a center pivot. They took down the center pivot. I remember closing the wheel tracks on the center pivot in the winter there of 2009 or spring of 2009. And from there, laid it out into the plots and all the different irrigation environments and different studies that you see today. Yeah. How did that lead into your role of wanting to be the manager of, of the whole thing? I risked really just that history and seeing um, how it all worked. And a lot of it, I think, being just the connections we made with, you know, our seed brands that visit here, like Fontenelle, your team, um, the farmers that visit here. And I really wanted to use what I had learned or keep using what I had learned as the agronomist to you know, kind of become the manager, have a little more, I guess, influence here at the Learning Center. And the manager that moved on, he really encouraged me to take the role and build it to my vision. You know, what do we want to change? What do we want to do that's different and really find a way to, to make that happen? So yeah. kind of one of those things that I really enjoyed being the agronomist as well, but working on really enjoying so far uh, being the manager at the facility. So, okay, 2009, like you said, you put seed in the ground. Uh, now talk about the history from, from that time up until now. What, what have you guys been involved in? So, I mean, it's been a, I mean, if you think back, <laughs> it's been a lot of, a lot of interesting things. You know, initially, as I mentioned, we were built here because it was going to be dry. And for the first two years, it rained, you know, all the time. I think we had like two of the, 
top 10 wettest years ever, maybe top five wettest years ever in the history of Gothenburg when we started in 2009 and 10. So some of the things at that time we were working on, if we're trying to show how, you know, drought guard hybrids can perform better in stressed environments, and we weren't getting the stressed environments we wanted, so that was a challenge. Um, we ended up, you know, if you've been out here before, putting in one of, uh, I think probably one of the most automated, what we call rainout shelters in the country. We've got a building that's on rails, and it closes or moves over our corn plots. It, I mean, it's just like, I don't think it's even a half acre, maybe uh, a fifth of an acre of corn plots or something like that. But it closes over them to keep the rain off. And that really came from the fact that it was so wet those first few years and trying to really make uh, make drought stress happen. So that was one of those things. We got that in 2012. And that, that's one of the more famous parts about this place too, is the rain out shelter. Yeah, it is. And it really, the, the impetus was, you know, if we'd had years like 2022, 2012, we wouldn't have ever had a rain out shelter if it was always like that. Fortunately, it, it's not. But, but it is a really unique environment where you can look at corn, soybeans, we've, we've done both crops, look at how they handle water stress, what kind of management tools you can use or what kind of management strategies you can use on water to really, yeah, you know, I think focus on how many bushels you can get per inch of irrigation water or how much profitability uh, you can get out of an inch of irrigation water. But that is, yeah, one of the unique things that, that we're known for. And I think it represents a pretty unique investment in water research uh, in the West. I don't think there's another one. There are ones out there, I think, in different places, but none that are automated like this one, where it senses the rain and automatically closes over the plots. We had, we tried using tents and things like that, and, and that just... Uh, <laughs> You decide to go close the tent like an aluminum frame tent in a lightning storm, and we just said that's not <laughs> not a decision we want to be making, especially not you know at two a.m. three a.m. in the morning. That's, that's, you know. that's right. You gotta gotta consider the safety factor in there. Oh, you mentioned uh, considerable product launches for Monsanto now Bayer since this place is open. So, off the top of your head, what are some things that that you remember launching along the way? Well, I mean, as far as just the, the product launches, you know, I remember Smart Stacks and the first rib complete or refuge in a bag uh, type products. That was something in those early years I remember showing off. And then, of course, a big focus with uh, drought guard hybrids, um, VT double pro corn, VT triple pro uh, corn products, some of those things that you might remember. And then uh, another one that really isn't, necessarily a product launch, but it's just that yearly update of our corn germplasm and our soybean germplasm. It's been a really interesting experience to see, even in, you know, it's 14 years, uh, how much that's advanced. So when we started the Learning Center, probably one of the big things you'd have come and we'd have talked about would have been Goss's wilt, a pretty challenging corn disease if you don't have a lot of genetic resistance. And at the time, uh, the corn breeders here at Gothenburg were really focused on providing tolerance. And over time, we've been able to launch a lot of products um, into the Fontenelle brands with, with much improved Goss's wilt and overall disease tolerance. So that's another really interesting thing, I think, from a that yearly product launch perspective on corn and soybeans. And then, of course, as you move along, 
Um, we've had Tricepta corn products extend or Roundup Ready to extend soybeans, then extend flex soybean products. And now as we come into these next few years, we've got another, I think, really big group of exciting product launches coming up. So it has been something that you kind of see, you'll have a lot of them and maybe there's a little bit of kind of time in between, but definitely we're in an area where things are moving really quickly in terms of new new products you're going to see in the market. Yeah. Okay. So hold that thought because a lot of those, a lot of that development coincided with what we saw with uh, Roundup resistant kochia and Palmer too. That all kind of came about yeah, yeah. Since, since this place has been I remember here. a time when, you know, when we first probably identified Palmer, you know, I don't remember seeing it in Kansas when I worked there. So it really has been a fast moving um, challenge and in those first few years, you could spray it with Roundup. It could be three feet tall, four feet tall. And it'd be the easiest thing to kill in the field. Like you'd spray it, your Palmer would be gone, and, and you wouldn't have a problem. And then pretty quickly, you learn that hey, those those ones made it this time, or, or you know, they just you didn't get the response you expected. They somehow s snuck by, and yeah, now there are challenges around, in particular. First, it was kochia. That was a, a challenge, but I think we've really figured out kochia with some early burn down practices and work like that that really, uh, really helps us out. But then when we get into Palmer, it just emerges over such a long window and things like that that we keep having to adapt our management strategies to get after that one. And yeah, that's where a lot of the herbicide product launches and new soybean products came into play. But one of the more interesting ones is uh, the the Goss's weld studies that you do because it originated not too far away. What what have we learned about Goss? Do you think here at this place? Uh, so it it did originate. I think the year was nineteen sixty nine, and they discovered it in like a popcorn field by Lexington. So it's like a Dawson County native. So it's interesting that I think some of the the best work on it has really been done here in Gothenburg, but. You know, really, when when you started to think about it, you could see how devastating it could be. You start to think, you know, if if somehow like it overcomes the markers we have for resistance and things, you know, it could become really tough again. But now, with the breeding work done and the markers that we have, and kind of what we're doing with precision breeding, it's just something that's not really a top of my list concern anymore. And when we started this facility, that probably would have been. The, the number one disease you'd really talked about or the disease that you really would have focused on, okay, how do we manage it? What corn products do we have to plant? And now if you look across like the Fontenelle lineup, there's maybe a couple of them that Chris Anderson will tell you, hey, you know, those aren't going to be ones you're going to want to put in mm -hmm. an area where you've got a really high risk of Goss's wilt. But, but otherwise, the lineup and thing is just solid and we just don't see nearly as much of the disease as we used to in like 2006, seven, eight, that that kind of time frame in this area. It's really amazing kind of what what's transpired in terms of the genetics there. Yeah. Here's something I can throw out, um, you know, tar spot moving this way. Are you going to have anything on tar spot coming up? So we, we will talk about tar spot, but we're not going to introduce it to the area. <laughs> right, so we, right. we are not going to do anything like that, but It'll be something we'll be on the lookout for. We we understand that it's a a really challenging uh, disease, especially when you get into environments where you know the humidity conditions or things are 
just right. We are concerned about that from a perspective uh, here with the amount of irrigation we have and the amount of humidity and maybe favorable conditions that generates for the disease. So we'll we'll see, but we're not planning to like inoculate or, or anything like that. I will say that overall uh, as a company, Bayer has identified some really unique solutions for screening products. You know, what ones are tolerant I won't say anything's like resistant or perfectly resistant, but you know, what products are more tolerant to tar spot, what products can help farmers manage the disease. And then we also have a great fungicide lineup. So, you know, we'll talk about fungicides and those options that you have, but we're not actively gonna gonna bring it out here. We're hoping, <laughs> yeah, right. we're hoping to avoid it. We're hoping that this area <laughs> of the state doesn't see it, but it is something that pretty quickly moving west and it's definitely a a disease of concern for us or what we'll be looking for. Okay, so let's get back to that. Uh, we talked about products that have been released that have worked well in the bear family. What are you excited about that's coming forward? Well, some of the new ones, I mean, I didn't I didn't really mention SmartStacks Pro so that farmers got their first look at that um, last year. I mean, we've looked at it for years uh, in our test trials, but that's been a really exciting one, that next level, a new essentially mode of action being you know, being put out there to really challenge corn rootworm because it's one of those adaptable pests. I kind of talk about it in terms of Palmer amaranth, at least right now, and it can change because it seems like something always changes, but that's the really big weed of concern. And for us in Nebraska, corn rootworm is really the big insect of concern. So we've got a new product there in SmartStacks Pro uh, to really, really help with that. And then another product launch we're going to see this year is what we call our VT4 Pro products. I don't think we're selling them yet, but but those will be products that we'll be trialing. And, you know, it provides better above ground protection with below ground protection for rootworm. So you've got what you're used to in our Crisepta lineup um, with the RNA eye technology below ground for rootworm. So that's an exciting product launch. But then... After that, um, we've got the smart corn system and Presion hybrids or short corn hybrids in the, the smart corn system. That's gonna be unique because it's really a digitally enabled uh, launch where if you buy the seed, you get a prescription to plant, you get a product recommendation and you get, you know, I think in the history when it comes to selling corn, you, you'd buy the hybrid you wanted. And I mean, you took advice from agronomists and things like that, but now it's something where you can really analyze a lot of data, use that to select the best product, select a prescription and really have a digitally enabled field solution. So that's something that's gonna be unique with those short corn products. And we've tested them here since 2013 or looked at them. And it is a really unique product. And I think in the right environment in Nebraska, it's going to be one that um, really pays pays dividends or you see some, I think, really big benefits out of. Yeah. I'm glad you said SmartStacks Pro because that's something that we are offering from from us in the Fontenel family and, and, and looks great it, out in the field. Straight out in the field. I mean, we've done, I mean, of course, you can ask anyone, you can ask Joe or you can ask Chris, anyone for the data on it, but they're, yeah. The data set on it is really good, especially um, in high pressure corn environments or high pressure environments where rootworm is a 
a really big concern. So it is definitely a, a product that fits those environments well. Now, that doesn't go to say we're, we're going to recommend you rotate or things like that to help with what we're monitoring as well, but SmartStacks Pro really looks good. Can you talk about HD4 beans yet here? Um, I, I can. I mean, we, we talk about them. So, yeah, to deal with Palmer and the weed challenges, there are going to be quickly advancing, not maybe as quickly as we'd like, but quickly advancing products that are on our kind of pipeline, we call it, or our, our pipeline for soybeans that are going to add new modes of action to our soybean lineup. So currently we have ExtendFlex soybeans, which are glyphosate resistant, uh, glufosinate resistant, and dicamba resistant. And the, the HT4 soybeans are going to add on top of that, 2,4-D resistance, as well as tolerance to group 27 herbicides. You know, we're going to have resistance coming added on top of it to HPPD inhibitors as well. So you, we call them HT4 beans, but there's actually going to be five modes of action or tolerance to five modes of action in the soybeans. And after that, you know, there's a re robust pipeline across corn and soybeans. There's uh, what we call HT5 soybeans after that. Um, there's corn products that have added herbicide tolerance. And then, honestly, we're looking at already in Nebraska, you know, new modes of action or new products as far as corn bootworm control, recognizing that SmartStacks Pro is really, really good, but we want to have products available in the future and new products available in the future. No, that's that's good stuff. Talk about... Well, some of the, the trials, and, and that's what I always enjoyed about coming here was you running the agronomy part, all the interesting trials that, that take place here. So talk about maybe some of the things this summer, some of the trials you'll have out here in the field for us and Bear to see, and even some of the growers that come and visit. Yeah, we, yeah, we really are set up as a great training facility. It doesn't matter uh, a farmer or internal to Bear, but we really set up, I think it gets somewhere close to 100, but we've got different areas of the farm. And in one area, we're going to talk about more general agronomic topics around soybeans. Um, we've got one where we're going to look at kind of that question you have as a farmer is what happens if my soybeans get hailed off? Or I lose so much of a percent of stand. We're going to be uh, doing, a, I think, a pretty unique trial looking at that. Which always happens somewhere in Nebraska. It, it does. I think last year maybe was worse than others. So we, yeah. we heard about it a little bit more, but things like that, you know, planting date on soybeans and how that impacts our, our canopy and our weed control options or weed control effectiveness. Uh, we're going to have work on that. We're going to have work on different, you know, timings of irrigation of soybeans and different amounts to do a couple of things. One, kind of help dial in that irrigation strategy uh, that we've been working on. We've seen a lot of things where if you're trying to save water, you don't have to irrigate soybeans as much at the front end. You want to save your water as much for the back end, you know, the, the reproductive onward stages that you can. Uh, doing some similar work for corn on irrigation timing. Uh, we always have high input corn and soybeans where we're doing some of the things that we hear about in yield contests and research that way. Um, and then the the other piece that we've got, I would say kind of a new focus on that would have been, you know, maybe in the past three years, we've always been doing a lot of work with strip till and, and no till 
because those are great practices for here in the West. But now we're adding in a, a lot of research work looking at how can we add, you know, cover crops. Uh, how can farmers, you know, benefit from some of those things that, you know, help us with erosion control, mm -hmm. uh, help us with, yeah, wind and water erosion you know, those soil health principles and stuff that they hear so much about. And what we're really tasked with is how do they fit in the West? You know, I, I think that a lot of the cover crop, not all of it, but a lot of it's further East. We're trying to bring it West and, and show that in a lot of research work and demonstration products as well. Yeah. Don't forget about the history of corn too. That's out here. Yeah. That's one that, that I have like a thousand page book on the history of corn. <laughs> um, it is for me really fun to read. I don't know if it's that way for everyone, but, <laughs> but yeah, we, we do that just to showcase. And we're actually going to have a history of soybeans this year. So that was another Good. goal is to yeah. a spot where you can really see that timeline or the progression of, you know, where corn started, what it looked like as a crop um, through like, you know, the early, early periods in America through the 1800s to our hybrids. Finally, like in the 1950s and 60s, at least single cross hybrids all the way to our modern products and doing the same thing in soybeans. It's pretty a pretty unique place to to look at that just in terms of you started with for corn grass like called Teosinte that doesn't look really anything like the corn we grow today. Mm -hmm. And you get all the way to through the breeding work and stuff that's been done to the modern products that when you plant them, you expect, you know, great performance out of in the field in terms of the yield. Well, this was your question, so I want to make sure I get this one asked of you. The changes in water use here in this part of the country since the Learning Center has gone in. So I, I didn't, what I think we've really seen is just a, a shift in, you know, some of the practices we do as producers, and there was a lot of work in the early 2000s, before there was a learning center, uh, there was a group of uh, people in the company uh, in Montana really working on strip till and bringing that to the West because they recognized that, you know, no-till in our high residue irrigated environments maybe wasn't the easiest transition, but they really brought in strip till. And that's some of the transition that I've seen is just really a, a big move away from conventional tillage uh, a big move away from some of those practices that we know costs us some water that we're going to have to make up with irrigation. So I think that has really helped. And we're seeing a lot more focus on scheduling irrigation, a lot of farmers trialing and putting on a lot of acres, you know, either sensors or uh, other tools that really help them dial in irrigation um, to a really great degree. And that helps them do a couple of things. In some cases, it helps them increase yields. Some cases, you know, they're reducing water use, and in some cases, it, it really is both of them. So those are some of the big, the big changes I think we've seen, just that transition to almost everything we have now, at least in this area, going to strip till where there was more conventional tillage earlier, and a lot more emphasis on the technology or a lot more focus just in managing that irrigation water better. Those are just some things we've seen. I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about, I, I mean, if, if, you, if you're used to how much water it takes, but it's hard to imagine that one acre of corn, if it rains one inch or you irrigate one inch, 
that's a little over 27,000 gallons of water. I think that's a volume of water that's <laughs> yeah. hard for people to, to fathom sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't want to sound cliche about this, but I have seen this place as an outsider and now kind of as an insider of working for Bear. Yeah. But yeah. talk about the importance of this place because we have made just a, a huge investment in, in this part of the country as far as, as research and helping Nebraska farmers you know, figure some things out with all these tests that we're doing. So brag on this place a little bit on, on how we're here to, to help growers overcome some challenges. Yeah, and I, that's really what our research work is is designed to do, is find those best practices uh, we can have in the West. So some of the things, I, I kind of forgot that in the what I'm excited about this growing season, but uh, we're going to have a, a lot of those new technologies out there to help us manage irrigation. So that's going to be an investment we make. But I think some of the, the bigger things that, that we've really tried to do is we have a lot of areas of this state where, you know, you don't have the ability to irrigate as much as you want to, or you, you don't have, you know, you've got a pretty limited resource in your irrigation water. So I think some of the big things I think I've hoped to show like out of the rain out shelter, or when we have a, a year where it's actually drier, and we can show limited irrigation is, you know, if you really, you know, and UNL does a great job as well, and they're a, a, a great help. But if you can really target that that irrigation to those sensitive times for corn, which is around pollination, and, you know, really focus your irrigation water to the best of your ability to those really, those times when you're going to lose a lot of yield, I think that's one of the biggest things is just getting people more and more confident in managing their water, what managing their water better and getting you know, more bushels per inch of irrigation they applied and really getting more profitability out of the irrigation water that they do put on. Yeah. And we want to get out there too, that we encourage growers to, to come and visit and see, see what's taking place here. Yeah. So you can visit with um, any of your Fontenelle guys. They'd be more than happy to set up with a tour. We're, I mean, I kind of, our prime time really is, um, kind of that that late July or mid-July time frame up until September when you've got, you know, ears and the corn plants are a little more interesting. But anytime, yeah, we're, we're happy to show people around. And this really is, sometimes we get questions like, well, can I take a picture of that and stuff? And it's like, yeah, if it's here on site, you're welcome to take a picture. <laughs> yeah. It's here to talk about, we're here to show it to you. And if you do come out here, uh, you do, you will really get to meet a great team of people uh, that we have working here at the Learning Center. So um, we've got a Learning Center agronomist and Alexandre Rosa, who really specializes in those cover crops. And he can answer a, a lot of questions that you have. He's got um, a lot of research experience and a lot of knowledge about him. So he's a great resource. Um, Sean McDonald, so he kind of took my position as a Learning Center agronomist, but he has a wealth of knowledge, you know, on the corn and soybean sides of things, and he has a specialization in crop protection. So we're going to have a lot of great information on that. And then just, you know, everyone that works here, anyone you would call and talk to, I think any one of our team members will help you have a great experience while you're here. No, Mark Ryman, the uh, Learning Center Manager here at Gothenburg at the Bear Facility. Uh, thank you so much for doing this podcast with uh, us. You're welcome, Joe. Thanks for coming out. I really enjoyed it. I don't do a lot of them, but it's definitely fun to do them. 
One final note, we invite you to catch our past episodes of the Fontenelle Family Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Till next time, I'm Joe Gangwish.